Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, roads and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. What's your dream? Where do you want to be? If you don't know, that's cool. If you do know, let's help you get there. And that doesn't have to be anything to do with hospitality. You know, you want to be an artist or you want to do anything you want to do. Let's help you get on that journey because everything that we can teach you and show you are all life transferable skills to any business. And we're the people that can spend time with you, uh, mentor you. You can make all of the mistakes on my money so you don't have to do it on your own. And as long as we learn from them and develop, then we've got a winning business. This is Tim Foster. He loves people and hospitality. His title says it all. Head of being awesome at Yummy Pop Co. And he believes that building a great company starts and ends with taking care of your people and customer and then everything else follows. Yummy is a multi-award winning boutique pop group that was created in 2007 by Anthony Jason and Tim himself. And they said when they started out, they wanted to create this company because they believed in creating something magical in hospitality, and they have. In this conversation, we dive into the power of culture and competitive advantages, how to understand your people's individual strengths and use them to improve your business, how storytelling can boost performance, how to approach the current talent crisis in hospitality and Tim's own leadership and life lessons in 2020 and much, much more. Before you tune in, we would love you to participate in our survey we're doing together with our partner, BizSimply. Our aim is to understand how leaders in the industry are transforming their organizations to deliver the experience both employees and customers are demanding. And to say thank you for participating, we will not only give you a free copy of the final report, we'll also invite you to our launch event. Links will be in the show notes. But now, please grab coffee, notebook, and let's get started to get a better understanding how you build a great business that put people first. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast. And it's uh, one of the hottest days in the in the UK this year, and it's bloody hot. So we have to keep it sharp today, but I don't think there's going to be a problem because we're going to be talking about something that's really close to my heart and the guest heart as well. But also we're going to be talking about some of this opportunity we have in this current situation in the industry as we come back. We have a chance to rewrite the playbook, and we also have a chance to think differently about talent and culture as we move forward, as we have to make the industry more attractive for people, or we actually just have to tell them how we actually have thought about building a great place to work. And for this, I have a great guest. I have uh, Tim from Yummy Pops in in the studio. Uh, and uh, Tim, welcome to, to the show. Good afternoon. 
And um, yeah, I wish it wasn't quite so hot, so we weren't both sitting here in pants. But everybody can just imagine that, given yeah. that we're we're live on the show instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, uh, next next time, hopefully, we can meet uh, outside doing this. I was thinking that about that when I was checking out your your beer garden. You know, uh, I thought that that would be a great place to to do an episode uh, in the future. Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. And uh, I've been following you for a long time, Tim, but we never, I, I don't know why, but somehow it never came to an interview. We've always been on the, uh, I have like my list of people I want to talk with, especially around culture and, and leadership. Uh, so so I'm really excited we're here now today and be able to, to talk about this. Yeah, one of the um, the things of the pandemic, eh? where um, we get to go for networks that are dropping into being great or really bad or bad or really great rather than being together in a room. But um, yeah. It's, um, likewise, you know, you've been my companion in the car throughout this past year or so, listening to all the fantastic guests that you've had on here. So it's an absolute honor to be asked to come on and chat to you. So, so Tim, uh, the, the first question I wanted to, to ask you was very simple. I wrote that down very quickly as I was preparing uh, having this uh, interview with you, because I think you have a very great answer to this. Not great answer, but something you live every day. But how do you define competitive edge in, in your business? Uh, people and you know we we will, fundamentally people are what deliver hospitality right so we can all create great dishes or spend loads of money on great buildings and and refurbs but you know we have massive beautiful buildings with uh, out people inside them they're just empty pubs so the the people that are inside our building give us the advantage um, definitely the competitive the edge um, we see that from around us and, and why people choose to come to us and the volume of times our guys get name checked or you know kind of build that culture around them so um, and yeah everybody's got it everybody's got to be able to work at work at it but um, I definitely think it's one of our our main strengths how did that uh, play out uh, Tim because I know you have like a concept around uh, how you make decisions in the business you call it honest hospitality can you can you explain a bit about what that is and what pillars are supporting that in the business yeah like everything that we do really it's just keeping everything pretty simple uh, it's not rocket science but it's um just being being totally honest um i hate when i go to places and people tell me that their um chef hasn't done x y and z because the supplier doesn't have the delivery and you then kind of three, four minutes later, somebody comes and tells you that it's now back in stock and it's all fine. And um, I think if, there's not enough of the time that we're actually genuinely honest with somebody. We forgot to place the order or we haven't had that come in today or we've made a mistake and we've burnt it. So, um, and just being really honest with somebody, if they're saying that they you know, don't enjoy the experience, it's just talking it through and, and having that conversation. But that all comes through empowerment. And I'm constantly amazed how little or how little people are empowered within different roles in the business. Joe is my general manager, which I absolutely hate for the wire mill. So he's my success manager, and his entire job is to make his team more successful by empowering them. And they made really redundant last week. I went down to site for a couple of days to help out. We're doing some absolutely phenomenal numbers at the minute. And I didn't want my team continuously stretched. So heading down and, and again, go down tomorrow for three days to do exactly the same. But they literally made me redundant. They didn't have to come and ask me any questions. I ended up cleaning the coffee machine and giving it a full TLC and pulling group heads out and all sorts of stuff just because they didn't need me. You know, I've got 16-year-old girls serving tables who are dealing with uh, issues and success at the same time and fully empowered to make the decisions. They don't have to come running to us to ask the question. And I think that's been a real dynamic and a, a real turn in the business culturally 
and it just gives them far more empowerment and they're not just turning up to work to tick boxes. That's that's something that sounds absolutely brilliant, but I also know how hard it is to to get to there. Well, what what has been your journey to, to, to achieve that? Because that's definitely a competitive edge to empower people and give them permission to 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 operate and give them freedom to, to make decisions. Yeah, uh, still on the journey. We're by no means there. Um, every person that comes new into the business with different skills or have worked somewhere else, you know, I kind of quiz them for half an hour, 45 minutes at least, just to find out what they're used to and, and what culturally they've done before to try and make sure that they're empowered as soon as they, they start on the floor or in the business. And it's just being kind to one another. So everybody understanding everybody's different role within the business. So we move people through the whole um whole site and it's kind of you know i'm speaking quite wiremill-esque right now because i'm very much in the site i'm very much owner operating running the site with joe and leaving london to anthony uh, to, to operate whilst london's trying to get back on its feet so my focus was was about protecting that site we bought the freehold of it two years ago and i was there the very first day of lockdown uh, to protect it because it's our you know it's our future and, and everything that we worked for 12 years to try and achieve and that's why I focused so heavily over the last 18 months being there and met the main face of the building. But the people that I'm recruiting in now know that they will be in the kitchen for four weeks. They will learn what issues we have on the pass, you know, what happens in key service times, how the dishwasher works, you know, how to mop a floor when it's like a swimming pool. Um, and they understand each other's jobs so they can appreciate one another more. I get a far, far better rounded skill set of a team. Uh, and I get to be able to cover issues with holiday sickness. You know, we, we've got all areas covered. I'm not just going out looking for chefs. My chefs will come front of the house as much as my front of the house will go back. So it's a journey. Um, and we're, you know, we're very much just at the beginning of it, I think. I think we had the empowerment pretty much there just before we came into to COVID, um, where we were saying to the team, you know, what would you do in this situation? Or what would you expect from this? Why does a customer have to ask for a discount if they've been waiting a certain period of time for, for starters? And all of our food is is fresh. So problems happen all of the time and you're deluded if you don't believe that's the case. So it's just being, that's kind of where the honesty comes from, I think. And then just step by step, giving them more empowerment. And yes, it comes with risk. And how do you, how do you protect yourself against giving discounts to friends and that kind of stuff? But actually that culturally comes through because they're proud and they they are supportive of the business. They feel like it's a business that they're part of, rather than they're just there being paid to be, do a job. Super interesting the, the the approach you talked about that you actually are giving them all round skills to become a, a great hospitality person, not just training them in front of house or in the kitchen. You actually make sure they're on all stations as part of their initial training to actually give yourself that flexibility you need more than ever in in the current environment. Uh, and it's it's a training in life rather than hospitality. I've got 16, 17 year old uh, kids that are prepping out squid to make a fresh salt and pepper squid dish with chorizo. When they go to uni, which they're going to, they're not going to rock up with a tin of baked beans and look at mum blankly as to why they don't know how to cook. Um, so it's all of those life skills. And that's the way that I kind of describe it to them all, you know, and I've got Izzy, she's 17, she's proper book smart, you know, straight A student, five stars, one of three, her brother is massively clever too, mum and dad teachers, um, she pretty much wouldn't say boo to a goose when she first started with us and came to us because of her brother working, so that kind of family recommendation, 
now uh, she was running the door for us on Friday, 450 covers, um, having to deal with walking customers to just manage their expectations to let them know that we're fully booked and they've had to drive probably 20, 30 minutes to get to us. So it's still that constant conversation that, you know, it's a bit of um, conflict management there and learning all of these new skills that she can take with us. So when she's a lawyer in sort of five, 10 years time, she can look fondly back at what she did through her career and understand that hospitality actually created that journey for her and empowered her. And if she wants me to write a reference for uni, then she's going to get a glowing one from a business owner of 25 years. So there's, um, yeah, life life skills are what, what these guys can adapt. And then by allowing us to have a, a full team that understands the flow of the business, um, you know, key pressure points, you know, when to joke with the kitchen, you know, when to just read the pass, and you know when not to ask a chef a question as he's being a magician and creating the dishes and then suddenly gets distracted and you wonder why a service goes down so by teaching everybody those core skills whilst we've got them on the floor and then also giving them the backup of the online academy to learn just allows us to develop people at a, a really really rapid rate and it's not about ticking boxes i absolutely hate ticking boxes so hospitality mavericks is definitely the right place for me to be talking rather than uh this is how to do it, A, B, C, D, E, because I jump to E and back to A and then to C within the same motion period of time because my job is to fix problems and find solutions for my team uh, to make life easy for them. It's so interesting as you talk there, Tim. I can hear also it's these life skills, these transferable skills. I can, I can only talk for, for my own journey. The, there's a reason why I stayed many years for McDonald's. And actually, I was a, you know, a very shy kid when I was 15 years old starting in the, in the restaurants, in McDonald's cleaning toilets where I started my journey and was then sent around in the whole training set. There's similar kind of approach. And actually, what, what I've learned in McDonald's is it's not – it's, it's business skills I learned because I took the management route, but it's actually the life skills of communi- communicating, be confident in the situation, actually be willing to take risk, actually that has given me more and actually took me to university, which I, you know, at some point didn't even expect myself to do. And I don't think university is the most important thing in the world. It's just interesting if you have the right employer, I had the right franchisee that vested in me and my life. And I never forget that. I will, I'm still in contact with the, the franchisees this day today. But because he changed something in my life, he gave me a, a, a starting point, especially young people need a lot of support and confidence. I help, helped a lot of young people myself. So yeah, I love that bit of confidence and competence and uh, by, by getting them involved in the business and actually see them, how they grow very quickly when they get the opportunity and the trust. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Izzy's mum and dad were in for dinner uh, last Thursday. And what we're feeling, you know, finding is everybody's coming in and family are coming in to to celebrate. And younger brother was there. He's 14. Uh, no, 13. Sorry, 13. So I walked over and said, so, dude, when you, you know, when you're jumping into pot wash and everybody laughed. I said, oh, is that even legal? I said, yep, completely legal. Let, let's get all three of you in. Mum and dad have got work. They're teachers. That's fine. But they can come and work for us, too. Um, and I think it's just dispelling all of those myths that hospitality is a the, the bad end of where to come and you should be ashamed of it. And Leona, who works for us, you know, her dad um, hung up pretty much on, you know, what are you going to do with your life? She's been in my business now for, for over three years and she keeps on getting questioned every time she asks him. So she can rock up now and say, I'm on the senior management team. Um, I'm part of the success team of the wire mill. I'm entrusted to run the site. You know, we're, we're one of the top sites in the UK, dad, and, and I'm one running it, learning it and developing it. So, that that pride that they can get where they're not just sort of having to hide behind, yeah, okay, well, I work in a pub. 
Um, so and the, the, the whole industry's got a huge, huge, huge journey to go beyond that. If you say that you're a, uh, a, a computer software programmer to somebody, uh, they were looking, oh, okay, great. Wow, that must be really cool. You could be doing anything. You know, you could be sitting there just prattling around playing on Xbox and tell somebody that you, you're doing that. They haven't got a clue. But tell somebody that you work in a pub and everybody thinks they know what working in a pub is and they can tick a box and relate to it really quickly. So, oh, okay, well, what else are you going to do with your life? So they're the challenges that we have, um, without a doubt. But uh, there are some incredible people coming into this industry now and it's definitely, definitely changing from a guy that's been in it a very long time and, and only this market, apart from, you know, I have had opportunity to look at international markets when I was on the other side of the bar and understood the challenges that are out there for, for different countries. Um, it's unique uh, job role here. So, um, and you can develop at pace, like you said, you know, you can take somebody who doesn't believe that they have the different life skills and develop them at a phenomenal rate. And Hey, we're not talking Mickey Mouse money anymore. You know, you start going up towards the senior management line and you're pulling in some great cash. And, and I had to explain that to some of the team last week. Stay with that a bit uh, because, you know, the, we have as in an industry right now, not just in the UK, but globally, a huge, you know, talent crisis, uh, uh, lack of lack of hands and arms just to, to open and operate uh, stores. Australia has so some really, you know, stories about operators only are able to open two or three days a week because they can't, man or don't have manpower to, to run their businesses uh what, what is your view on on all this is so how do we get actually these people interested in hospitality because we need to rewrite the playbook when it comes to you know how, how people perceive hospitality the myth as you say there's around hospitality and that having a job in hospitality but how do we do that and where do we start in all this it sounds like it's really you know a difficult time we're in right now yeah, totally. I don't think anything's changed. No, I, I came into a bar when I was 23 years old, so um, <clears throat> nothing's really changed from from that. So that's, you know, you're going back 20, 20 years into whether or not there was a decent enough career. And then it was sort of if you were the, the owner of the pub and you were the landlord, then you'd done pretty well for yourself. You probably got a couple of houses somewhere and, you know, lots of cash and stuffing cash underneath mattresses and, and that sort of stuff. And then if you ran and opened your own restaurant, you know, you'd done great because you were the, the person who was running and owning it. And the volume of time where people that I just don't tell them that I own the wire mill, I'll just bust the tables and um, they're asked to go see the manager and I'll send Joe over to, to have a chat with them. Uh, I don't push my chest out and go, well, I own it. You know, what do you want? So I think there needs to be a, the arrogance needs to be knocked out of it a lot. Um, and also just road mapping what opportunities there are. I think people stop at GM or, you know, you look at your female teams and, I can, how long have I got a career really if I want to have kids and that kind of stuff will jump on the other side of the bar you know there's some incredible FMCG brands out there that are desperate for experience when you've been behind the bar as soon as my first interview the Carlsberg I only made the interview stages because I could prove that I could relate to publicans and I've been behind a bar and I could walk in and was fearless going in through the front door to go and be told in Brighton mostly uh, that I was either a Jehovah Witness or a tax man. So within three three days of me sort of pounding the streets after having been brought into South London to do a sales drive with all of the team and meet everybody, I went to work in a pair of Bermuda shorts, flip-flops and T-shirt. I didn't start work until two o'clock in the afternoon. My boss didn't know that, by the way, for a very, very long time. Um, and me keeping my car clean because I might get a inspection with one of my senior managers i didn't give a stuff i was dancing on bars at half 12 at night and getting to know all of the bar staff and the bar staff would then introduce you to the manager if they didn't think you were 
air complete and utter plank. Um, and I totally transformed all of the business down in that sector and got the Brighton Dome and the cricket club and the football ground and started off with, you know, getting some real high scalp, big ass businesses behind me. Then I, you know, it didn't matter really what the brand was. It was about how I would support them and how I would help them develop their business or, you know, my entire pitch for the Brighton Dome and getting the business had nothing to do with the brand. It was going in and looking at how the bars operated for three of their gigs and telling them that they were doing a crap job. Ruth didn't like it. She was the bar manager at the time and we had a pretty frank conversation. I said, look, I'm not here to criticize you, kiddo. I understand you're taking great money, but I'm just telling you, I could probably throw another two, 3,000 quid a session. What, what do you, you know, do you really care about the brand or do you care about making the bar really successful? Because the customer doesn't care. We sell millions and millions and millions of pints of this stuff. It's only you that got hung up on it. Um, so just, yeah, again, that, that just that different approach to just say, how, how do we look at it? So I, I I'm a storyteller, always have been, um, and I will have an interview with the people on the phone first. And I generally do most of that at the minute just to be helping Joe because of the sheer volume of, of business that we're doing. And it's really difficult to try and make phone calls in between running the site. Um, and then when I meet them face to face, I just sit and listen to them, you know, ask them a couple of questions, but, but listen, and then I'll listen to what they've told me and where they love to, what's their dreams. That was one of my first questions. What's your dream? Where do you want to be? If, if you don't know, that's cool. If you do know, let's help you get there. And that doesn't have to be anything to do with hospitality. You know, you want to be a, an artist or you want to do anything you want to do. You know, let's let's help you get on that journey because everything that we can teach you and show you are all life transferable skills to any business. And we're the people that can spend time with you, mont, um, uh, mentor you. You can make all of the mistakes on my money so you don't have to do it on your own. Uh, and as long as we learn from them and develop, then we've got a winning business. It's interesting to say that we need, we just need to 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 put a different uh, thinking hat on because there was an inter- I interviewed Marco Reich recently, and he said there's this he called the Gray Rayno uh, effect. It's come from economy, where there's a, there's an event coming, you know it's coming, uh, but you don't do anything about it before it's actually just at your front door, exactly already in your house that Gray Rayno, and and that's that's the the, the talent crisis is an example of that, especially in. The UK, where you know we knew Brexit would have an impact on our European workers leaving the country, and then the pandemic probably fa- fast forwarded that situation harder than anything else. Um, but w- what is it that you know? What w- what do you think there is that make people think that you know there's not an attractive industry to be part of? What what kind of story is it that we actually need to go out and and, and tackle and actually show that? That's not what the industry about. It's actually about a lot of great jobs out there and lots of great workplaces and a lot of great colleagues and lots of skills. Um, but what, what is the problems we actually we need to, to work on? Because there's different perceptions out there, but you, you're seeing them every day as you meet candidates. Yeah, and I, I don't think we should shy away from any of the things. You know, people apologize for working really long hours or antisocial hours, and it's looked upon as as being a bad thing. When I first started, I worked five days a week as a system manager of a site that I went from being just bar staff to assistant manager within about four and a half, five weeks because I joined at the right time when everybody else was leaving. So naturally, I just suddenly jumped up into my position. The other two days a week that I had off, I worked for Pickford's uh, running up and downstairs. I was just interested in earning cash. 
I wanted to go traveling and I wanted to start my own company. And I didn't care what hours I worked. I didn't care how hard I worked. I would work harder than anybody. I'll be up and opening and I'll be, I'll be, um, be there for close down. So apologizing for that, I think is really the wrong thing to do. And, and Joe is me, you know, 20 years ago, he is me in, in full embodiment, bless him. Um, and, uh, he, I can't stop him. Do you mean if I said to him, dude, you just got to stop it, just look and say, I don't want to stop. So I think you have to understand what's personally important to everybody. Um, and then from that personal importance to them, you then create a job spec and a, a career path and everything within that. Because some of my team are just really passionate about people. Stella joined me from British Airways, 28 years of British Airways. She's still in huge um, recovery mode from um, having to accept redundancy. She didn't want to. She wanted to stay there. She wanted to make a lifetime career. Um, and when I met her, you know, she nearly boils down in tears every time I meet her and just say thank you because the response I'm getting from customers for her is just mad. And she's developing my 16, 17-year-old skill set and my 25-year-old skill set in how to talk to customers, how to greet them, how to look at signs that a customer doesn't even know that they're showing you from feeling cold to being offered a blanket right the way through to changing a table without having to ask them. And Stella is just incredible at that. And she's been in my business for nearly five and a half weeks. Uh, she's had to adapt to a whole new business. Um, and she's drawing people in because she's just got phenomenal talent. So rather than trying to write a, a book around it or a guide or a course or anything that it can then be adapted, I just surround people around her. You know, we've we've changed different rotor shifts to make some of the team that would normally never come in contact with her understand working a shift with her and just just absorbing the energy that she's got. And, um, you know, she's a, a part time employee that works in my business for three days of the week. So there's just opportunity to develop. But people have got to be developed, I think there's a personal responsibility for them and you've got to make that really clear. It's not all down to you. And, and I made that very, very clear to them. I'll offer them the tools to do it, but you've got to damn well come and knock on my door because I'm not going to spoon feed you. You're not my 11 year old who I have to tell to pick up the towel every night from the shower uh, and put away his football boots. And, you know, we then Lucy will just go ballistic because he's left all of his clothes everywhere, which he did last night and he's in the bad books for next 24 hours so we're not there to to clean up after everybody we employ adults whether they're 16 13 you can come to work you've got a personal responsibility um but we can develop you and, and develop the areas that you want to be developed in even if you don't really know that you've got that skill set i think giving them that feedback and giving yourself time to sit with them and just watch them and view them you know some of the guys it's quite funny when i just sit down for three four hours on the terrace and just watch uh, they don't think I'm doing anything, but I'm being more valuable doing that than I am being on pot wash for that period of time. Not immediately, not there and then, but definitely for scoping out the future. Um, and I used to tell my team they had 18 months to be with me and then they needed to bugger off. And loads of people in the industry got quite of a bit pernickety with that approach and a bit drastic. And yes, it was, but also it really gave got me results from a very young team who I can now look back at from sitting in my rocking chair when I get one, um, seeing them all spread out across different sectors and incredibly proud of them because they're business owners right the way through to working in sort of big, big ass companies doing some great things.
It's interesting you you talk about actually uh, you know widen your your reach out to other groups of talent than just the the, the standard way you're looking at talent. I think there's a lot of people talking about that right now. But actually, also you talk about here it's really interesting. You talk about how can I then utilize what they come with into my business. So actually, I actually get double whammy. I don't only get an employee, but I also get the best out of their strengths in a way. I think that's super interesting approach. I don't know if you have thought about that, you know, uh, very strategically or it just happened because she, she applied for the job. Yeah, it was a definitely uh, purposefully done. I've got three. Um, we're down in Gatwick. So, you know, airline industry has been hit hard in hospitality through all of this. You know, there was definitely an opportunity for people that were looking at changing um, what they wanted to do or, or had to do. So, you know, there's... Um, there's there's three of them that were for me. One one went to Caf Kidson and went into retail. Thought retail was the next step. Then understood actually that retail isn't all that funky and it's not all it's cut out to be. And I think we're very hard on ourselves a lot when we we talk about hospitality. But Christ, look at retail. You know some of the the hours that they're working and how they move them across sections. And you know I think there's a, a real opportunity for hospitality to recruit in retail where. They, they aren't being developed at pace and there isn't the opportunities that they thought there was and they've just fallen into the role. And I think a lot of it is around don't want to work nights or, you know, that kind of stuff. And I interviewed a guy, uh, Aaron, last week. He's joining us on the 28th. You know, one of the first questions was, are you a nighttime or are you a morning guy? And he said, dude, I was up 2 a.m. every day for seven years. Love mornings. <laughs> Joe and I just high-fived each other literally in front of him and went, result, dude, you're running the site in the morning, sorted, because most of the guys don't want to do it. Um, and he just, yeah, he's just like, brilliant, love it, absolutely love it. So rather than being that person that that can't communicate with my hotel guests and struggles, you know, he's going to be all bubbly and happy and, and bouncing off the walls when they come up rather than why the hell am I here at this time of the day? So definitely opportunity to, to bring in and, and recruit from outside of the industry. And I think that's where everybody should be looking right now. I think trying to poach one another's uh, staff is is just a, a really false and down spiral way of going. It's never worked for, for the length of time I've known. And somebody will come to you and tell you all these amazing things that they've done. And, you know, you, you don't go and get references or ask the question and, you know, that's sort of that's real commonplace but um yeah i think kind of trying to grab people internally because you think they've got a skill set well you know how hard is it really you know let's be honest with ourselves if you've got somebody that's committed um who's got some common sense who's prepared to turn their hand to it and you're prepared to put the time in to make the training and give them shadow and support them in rather than just throwing them in the deep end, then I think you can find some great talent and you can get them up to speed with the rest of the team. We reckon kind of Chloe started today, 11 o'clock. Um, Joe sat down with her. She's got bag loads of experience. Um, she was shadowing Leona from midday through today, but she's shadowing for two weeks. I don't care what level she's come into the business at. And uh, she's kind of joining us as our as senior team. She shadows one of my team and she shadows my junior team and they show her what to do. Um, and that happens for the period of two weeks. No matter how busy we are, I'll cut off having people walk ins and just go fully booked if it's needed um, to be able to give her that breathing space to, to uh, gel into the team because it's so important, that induction process and them to come in and actually feel like this is a place for them and, and not just rush them into work and, and shut them into the deep end. It is so interesting also because I've followed you and as you've been reopening, you have talked a lot about in your in, in the things you share on, on socials about uh, not uh, putting unnecessary pressure on the team. And I know you are still 
phasing in the the amount of booking that can happen uh, in 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 your in your in your venues. Uh, uh, what what was the the thinking about that? Because I guess also you need some some cash in the till. I would say. Yeah, it's strategically done, and and I got a lot of flack backwards from it. Um, but I'm sitting here having traded nine weeks in, and we've already beaten 2019 numbers without having 15 weeks worth of trading. I've beaten it by four thousand four hundred quid. So have I uh, gone in and, and walked slowly and closed Mondays, Tuesdays? No, no, I haven't. I've put thousands and thousands of people through that building, and. Um, at the same time, I've just kind of un, un, undone certain sections every day. So we've gone very strategic about how we plan in the bookings. I purposely wanted to go down a fully booked route for a consumer's perception straight away that they would try and ring on a Monday and we'd tell them that we were fully booked on a Friday, whether we were or not. Um, as far as I'm concerned, fully booked for me is about as many people I want to put into the building, not how many tables I've got. So I've told everybody today that I'm fully booked to the wire mill. I could probably put another 200, 250 covers. I've probably turned away at least three times that volume. But me putting 500 covers into the wire mill today from doing just under 500 yesterday, from doing just over 600 on Saturday, and my team having to have had sustained this for the last nine weeks will just mean that they will give up and I will lose them. And it's a marathon. It's not a race. So, yeah. Cash, cash, really important. But you know, I've, that that site has transformed in all recognition. So by having the foresight that we had to do the development when we did, um, by all of the things that we've done during lockdown, um, and just not stopping and, and proactively communicating our our failings but our successes to our customers, I think we found a, a totally unique customer perception of who we are and. And they still want absolutely brilliant hospitality. Don't get me wrong. You know, we've we've got some shocking reviews out there where we read them and just go, oh, did this really happen here? But at the same time, I've got over a thousand positive reviews. People keep on talking to me about TripAdvisor. No, TripAdvisor don't have the rights to take my business and my IP address. I detest the site. I detest the the comments that are on there. You can never get ahead of the game. So I proactively just don't engage and use it. Instead, I ask every single customer that's been in our business 24 hours to 36 hours later directly to review me. Uh, and on that site, I get all of the feedback that I need to to make changes. I don't make it hugely public. So I don't proactively go out there and say to everybody, hey, look how great we are. But if we can make the changes to where we've upset people, then we've got a much, much better business and it won't happen again. And we're delighting customers. So as long as that rule sticks within 80, 20 to me, which has always been my magic number, as long as we're doing 80% of the things right, then uh, we will always be successful. Uh, it's interesting. It's about that continuous improvement, the 1% all the time. And that's that's the principle what you measure there coming in. And, and you know it's validated because it's honest feedback. It's coming back to, to honest hospitality. I really like that. You talk a lot about storytelling as well. Uh, you mentioned that a couple of times. Why, why is that so important for you and, and Yummy Pups to tell stories? I think it's um, <clears throat> it's always been the way. Um, I don't know whether or not that's me that that brings it to the business or, or all three of us, but um, it's kind of always been important for me to tell the story of our journey and where we're going. And I think people want to be part of that. I think the the Great British Pub is unique in that that they want to the customers want to support you and be seen to be supportive and be part of your journey. And you know the volume of people that we have coming in, just sort of saying how how long we've been there or. You know, to what great things that we've done is is enriching for us, and really empowering. But 
more so for the team. You know, I, I want to be able to develop these people for them to go and and allow them to create their own businesses or, you know, have kids and be brilliant parents and, and just have an enriching, fantastic life. And there's nothing more proud for me than having our guys come back working for us where actually their daughters or their sons are now coming to work. You know, we're, we're going through that life journey where, um, you know, kids, I call all of my guys kids because pretty much none of them are any younger than me apart from a handful now. Um, but, uh, that have the journey and, and follow the journey and we've employed them sort of 12 years ago. And, and now we're looking at employing their, their children. So that's a real great thing from a cultural point of view for me. And, and, it allows that story to be told. But if I'm going to be honest and we're going to offer honest hospitality, the guys need to know everything. You know, there's no no point holding back. And when we were going through the the lockdown the first time and, you know, initially I engaged with the social, I hadn't really been on LinkedIn and social much at all, to be honest, and, and disregarded it really. I needed a place to vent. Um, and I put up a video of me sort of walking in the middle of a park at 6 a.m., uh, crying down into a camera and I think people were, were just shocked to see it and I was ending I was at the end of my tether we were getting no support we were getting no help we were looking at a business that we fought tooth and nail to produce phenomenal you know great great business and some amazing pubs and just seeing it all go down the pan because no fault of our own I just couldn't stand for it so um, not only did you know I allow that to have a bit of a release and, and that area there I also proactively did everything I possibly could to protect it and diversify and change and pivot as the word of 2020. Um, but um, yeah, it just it forced everybody to rethink and and look at what they were doing. So there's so many different dynamics that have happened over the last 18 months or so. Um, it's really important for me that our guys know that. Yeah, and, and, and as we are about stories and, you know, uh, the last uh, 16 months, we haven't gone back and analyzed the pandemic, first of all, because I think we need to look forward. But it's, it's something I really have been thinking a lot about because I had a couple of conversations with owners and business owners recently is that, you know, some of these learnings you as a business owner and your team have gone through in uh, the last year. What is like the biggest life and leadership lessons you have had in all this? Because it's been, you know, we're never going to have that time again, but we all have had different, you know, big life and leadership lessons if we have a leadership position. Yeah, I, think I, I, you know, I have a unique position that I, you know, when I was 15, my dad lost his business and we lost our family home. And I went from having a great childhood, you know, lovely house and, and everything that they had fought and him, my mum had fought to get together and, and build and it all went you know overnight the bailiffs came and, and took everything and even to that that minute he was still telling my mum that we had got a cottage up the road and you know he had sorted it out and everything was fine and we ended up in a four birth caravan in a touring park in Horham in Sussex with nobody else on the pitches because it was the middle of winter and you know you weren't allowed necessarily to have a touring caravan there so it was a beaten up old four birth caravan that's where I did my GCSEs, um, and you know we were we were completely broke. Everything went. We lost a lot, and he lost everything. But he didn't bounce from that. He didn't try and fight from even at that young age of me watching it happen and unfold in front of me. I just saw him giving up, and I saw that happen for the next ten sort of fifteen years until he died. That he never re recovered, and he never gave himself the opportunity. And he was a great businessman you know, from, from my perspective and you look at what he created. So I had that life skill already and had been through all of that. And it was, you know, desperately important for me that the only thing that I focused on was protecting my family and 
I consider everybody that works for me part of my family. So it was to protect them as much as it was to protect my kids and my wife and and everything that we had done. I can bounce, you know, I can I can walk away from the business and go and get another job, no problem. Um, but I have a personal responsibility to all of my people who can do the same, but not, you know, why would I try and put people through that pressure? So um, we've always had that as our mantra that we would always have enough money in the bank to shut the doors and walk away and kind of pat each other on the back and say, it's a great journey, guys, well done. Uh, let's go do something else. That's That's been the, the golden number one rule that we've had from the beginning. And, and that probably that second week of kind of experiencing the utter crash of turnover um, just mapped out that we wouldn't be able to sustain it. You know, we would be out of cash by kind of mid mid April in sort of March into May June time. So we we had that at the forefront of everything we were doing. How could we make money being closed? You know, how could we sustain or keep the team? How could we honour um the guys who joined us that weren't eligible for furlough? How could we look after everybody? And that was just you know, the the top of priorities of every phone call that we had. Um, when we were doing our, our Project Python calls when they were meeting for Cobra. So, you know, everything was was trying to just protect what we had created from people, not necessarily buildings. You know, the buildings can go as far as I'm concerned. I don't give a stuff about them. I'm I'm proud of what we created and I think they're amazing. But the actual cultural part of our business is our people and, you know, it was our responsibility to look after them with and do everything we possibly could. Do you think that many leaders got that on the radar again? as we were going through the, the the pandemic, was that like a leadership lesson that we maybe forgot a bit about our people? Not because we decided to, but actually because it was all about growth, 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 and, you know, the units, the property, and we maybe forgot about, you know, that exactly in the, at the core of it, when everything comes together, it's about the relationship we have with, with our people. Yeah, yeah, dude. Look, listen, I've got, I've always had a massive hang up about it. You know, best smoking shelter, pub awards, or best dog friendly pub. You know, come on, Christ. The, we should be focusing on the people that are in the business and celebrating them and and highlighting those within the award processes and and just saying, you know, like we do. I do junior coaching and. For us, it's all about the kids' development. It doesn't matter what the score is. You know, we can walk off a match and my. Eleven uh, year old lost his semi final cup semi final run yesterday four uh, one. Scoreline doesn't describe what the game was like, and he won man of the match. Yeah, he won man of the match, and I couldn't be prouder of him. The work rate that he put in, everything that he did, was just phenomenal. And the other parents were just turned into me on the sideline, going, "You know, you should be so proud of him today, mate. He's been absolutely incredible." I was like, "I know, I, I know, I, I am so proud of what he's done today." So. That same mentality for me should be should live through and, and bleed through. I don't care who can spend a million pound on a pub refurb and, and get you know everybody talking about how amazing the pub looks. Great, you know we can all spend a million quid. So it's um, yeah, it's it's all about that. And I think a lot of people misunderstood or took for granted maybe just the, the type of people that they had in their business and what they could do with them and how they could develop them. It's time consuming, as you and I both know developing people and spending time on on them is probably the hardest thing to do when you're trying to own or operate um it's you know finding that space and that time to continuously improve and train and i'm stealing ideas like apple's 20 minute training for all their retail teams you know we joe and i are, are trialing that at the minute um and we're training different people for 20 minutes every session so that they come in feel more empowered there is a bit of nervousness about it at first from everybody from him from me you know could we sustain it was it just another fad that we talk about and 
not be able to deliver on? How long would it last? You know, we're sort of two and a half, three weeks in now. Um, definitely some tweaks for us of, of how we do it and, and how we sustain it. And actually, it's about empowering the junior management team to, to deliver on it, not us, because as we're all will in the world, we're not going to deliver it properly. So it's about giving them that, that opportunity. And that's what he's done with three of his team today um, on the Kickstart Monday um, and just sort of allowing them to go, right, where's our end goal for our people this week? So the call that I had with him this morning wasn't about reviewing last week's PL or wage line budget or what numbers we'd achieved or cocktail sales or mix or any of that. That's the day to day. The call that we had today was right. What's our end goal for the people in the team? What do we want them to have learned this week that will make our business better for next week? That's not a typical conversation I know from own experience that goes on when you have weekly calls with your boss in a hospitality business, not for the majority, but for certain. So you said it's the P&L conversation. So I think that's really interesting. And I think if anyone listening in out there, they should give you a call and ask you how what, what you talk about on that call, because that's 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 a, that I can imagine that's a very valuable conversation where you're actually moving the, the business forward instead of looking at history. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, it will, it will take a while for it to flush out and it'll be fascinating to see just how the, the team change and now we're starting obviously at the core cold face first and what operational standards we can change and what we've noticed that we've wanted to make changes to for the last nine weeks with these different conditions of operational and standards. So it'll be fascinating to see how it then begins to pan out over the next sort of six, seven, eight weeks where it starts transferable skills from what you can see right in front of your nose to, okay, well, how are we actually genuinely going to now start developing within these slots and where we empower different people you know does it involve role play does it how how easy is it for us to deliver to them does it have to have backup of online learning or kind of course multi questions or you know how do we know they've absorbed it do they just show it within what they do day to day but i think it's 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 really exciting it's new it's it's very different to anything that we've ever done before and and like i say you know my my monday morning call uh, we used to use video calls way before anybody else, I think. Uh, everybody seems to kind of think that, that video calls is the 2020 thing. But, you know, we had I had all of my – when we had six sites, I had all of my GMs and my head chefs A uh, 8.30 every Monday morning on the screen, uh, dialed into different parts of the country wherever they were. And part of the whole process of the hours meeting was a drill down into the P&L. And, you know, we only really started to introduce the – Two or th- what two or three things would you change in the business this week or what are you going to change in the business this week? Probably four months into those calls um, where we realized actually if we asked them that question and gave them one or two things that we challenged them to change quite quickly, we'd see the leaders that would focus on exactly the same thing and had no real imagination but could be brilliant at every part, other part of their job. So we needed to, to help them in a different way. Um, or the the change agents that would just, you know, change for change's sake. You know, we would be told week in, week out what would happen, and then you'd go back on the weekly call and go, okay, fill us in, what did you do? Oh, yeah, no, we haven't had time to do it this week. Yeah, three weeks later, it'll be the same. It's a, it sounds like a, a meeting we all have been in, you know, in our career, and and it's, it's so interesting because now we 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 have the opportunity. Also, you said you you talked a lot about autonomy and how you give your team uh, autonomy. Uh, well, what is your prediction uh, for hospitality the next eighteen months? You know, we we can talk about you know, it will be interesting to talk about it from a you know recruitment point of view as an employer. You know, how how, how are we going to turn this around the next eighteen months? Or what journey? 
do you think we are on when it comes to people? Because that's the the, the prime focus on the conversation. I think we're going to see a, a, an awful lot more fallout. I think um, people, you know, definitely from what I'm seeing and experiencing with businesses around us, you know, we're hearing lots of things about teams walking out, um, not not wanting to to work in the business and literally just walking out. So um, I think that's going to happen where the pressure in this perfect storm of, of reopening slash people being contained for 18 months, you know, from a personal experience of looking at names coming in on spreadsheets and inquiry forms and our booking system, right the way through to being there and seeing the customers you know we are seeing faces we have never ever seen before this isn't about us being supported by a very local network of customer base um, and the dynamic of people's work-life balance has shifted in in all recognition so it's not going to go back to what it was Uh, businesses will adapt they will see cost savings in what's happened but they will see opportunity too so it will be a 50-50 blend, I think. And then that will just change the the need, you know. Do sites suddenly become redundant because they're the little chefs of the pub world in 2021? Nobody needs a little chef because that's not how we move anymore. That's the, the demise of that brand. It wasn't necessarily just down to the brand kind of not keeping up pace and and, and aging it was it was kind of the, the the click and go grab and collect and the movement and the natural change in people's habits and train to transportation and you saw the supermarket you know explosion within transport hubs and that's where everybody was heading to because so many people were traveling well those guys are going to be changing the dynamics of what they do too you know the rents that they were demanding in St pancreas definitely aren't going to be those rents anymore so that whole makeup will change um, so I think we're going to see a, a, an awful lot of loss of out of the sector. I think we've seen that already, which is where people are saying, you know, they've decided to have a, a stay with a different job or they don't see the sector as being um, stable enough. You know, think out all of the guys that work in nightclubs today, you know, that's just going to be another absolute kick in the nuts for them. And um, yeah, Christ, I wouldn't be wanting to run a business like that right now um, and manage those expectations of those people. So furlough has, has allowed you know i proactively encourage my guys to go and get other jobs you know i said to them it was a golden era of opportunity go out there and get it um but i encourage them all back so i think that's just the, the up to the leaders of those businesses to to bring people back um and yeah i think the the sector is going to suffer some pretty big losses we're going to lose some more capacity more than what we've already lost but there are going to be some really proactive fantastic businesses that are going to take advantage uh, that are led by some brilliant people in our sector who are highly regarded and respected so there will be opportunity present itself and then i think it will be a dynamic approach you know do i want to run back and grab hold of a bricks and mortar site just because somebody else has failed in it and see an opportunity how long is that really going to last for you know do we really know what's around the corner so it's all all very much up in the air so i think you've just got to keep fluid um, you've got to look forward. If we hadn't have looked forward and invested the money at the wire mill, as we did, uh, sitting there looking at each other in April going, Jesus, what the hell are we going to do? Um, none of this would have been possible. None of these sales that we're doing now would have been possible. I wouldn't have had 164 covers outside. I would have been open to the elements. I wouldn't have been able to deliver the numbers that we've delivered. So we had the foresight and the balls to invest and go for it. Um, and then we've had to back that up with a, a huge amount of work and training to create the business that we've created there. And we've kind of tried to trade London through it without 
we've done it to one of the sites um, with Matt where he's invested in the business and that's changed our approach actually for um, how engaged the guys are in a business and we always discussed it and we always talked about could we do yummy startups could we diversify into different business models we invested in the gentlemen's baristas with Henry and Ed back when they first started seven years ago with the boys and then left and exited them a few years later so that they could just crack on as they wanted to. Um, so is there an opportunity like we did with them where we got loads of things wrong um, to do things better? And we're trying to we're attempting to do that with Matt and it's kind of his own business to run and we're trying to be really hands-off and allow him to do it. But it's also incredibly frustrating seeing some of the things that they're doing where you're just going, we already know how we shouldn't be doing that. But it's when to step in and when to, to stay back. And that's a real new learning for us because you know we're not, day-to-day managing it and and ultimately we can make the decisions whether or not anybody around us agrees we can just put our foot down and and make it happen culturally that has a bit of a a different effect but sometimes you just have to do it so yeah i think it's just going to be really interesting um yeah we traded through the first recession in 2007-8 and we had our first site and it gave us so many opportunities that we would never have had had that recession not come along um, as a, a young startup, not knowing too much. And I think there's going to be that dynamicism from some brilliant kids that we've got in hospitality that are just going to go for it um, and, and take a punt. So I think innovation is going to be there and we'll innovate real quick again. And then everybody will be out trying to pilfer one another's ideas. Um, and I think it will bring some fun and some energy uh, to, to, the, to the sector. Great, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's definitely there's definitely opportunity up for grabs. And we actually, as you indicate, we don't really hundred percent know what there's up for grabs yet, and uh, it's just about being ready. I, I could hear that in between the lines you're saying as well. Get get yourself ready for for some massive opportunities in the, in all this. Yeah, it'd be good to flex, you know, and I think that's the most important thing. If we we learned so much through the the initial lockdown with sixty five thousand pounds worth of stock and you know over three hundred thousand owed um, out to going to zero cash flow, you know it's going pretty much insolvent, really. If you were to look at it on the on the books right the way through to the next lockdown, you know I think we only carried about four thousand worth of stock into that lockdown, so it was learning to adapt and change process. And I think it's very 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 easy to go back to how you do things quite quickly because. You've always done them that way, not necessarily because you've always done them that way, but because they actually they it works that way. But is it more lazy how to operate in that fashion? And it actually takes a hell of a lot more work to operate within the COVID restrictions and always thinking it and always on the board, you know, always on your toes and looking at what's coming and how you can adapt versus just owning and, and uh, owning and operating and running a business. I think we've all had to learn that. Um, and like we talked about earlier, you know being an ops director or running a an estate of sites right now, well, you know, the that's gonna be some pretty hard slog. So um I don't I don't envy those guys at all um for what they're trying to do. And I think in a in general and in, in a whole overview, I think the sector's been doing brilliantly. Um I you know the share of voice that we've now got at government level is great. I think we just gotta be really careful how we communicate now, which is being well managed by our trade bodies. Um and yeah, we just got to focus on on opportunities that are coming and and just mit- try and mitigate the risk. With all that in mind, Tim, the last question of today's conversation: What is your top three advice to to leaders out there? Things that I've learned, I suppose, is honesty has to come first for me. I think if you're honest from the start, 
um, you can very rarely get caught out. So um, you you just got to be there and just be honest and, and hold your hands up and or do you know how you how you explain things. I think challenge the status quo. I think if nobody's learned that now through this pandemic, then they shouldn't be a leader and maybe they should step back and let somebody else do it. But I think you've got to challenge everything that you do. Um, you've got to look and ask yourself why. Um, and I think celebrating the success, you know, I got so many crap messages when I first started putting out our sales figures in July and saying how great we were doing and getting phone calls from pretty high up people in our industry saying you've got to stop because, you know, government still need to give us support and you keep on harping on about how great everything is. I was like, guys, piss off. You know, if, if government are listening to one tiny little guy stuck away in the countryside and they're making government decisions based on that, I think you're absolutely deluded. So for me, it's about celebrating success and how bloody hard we've worked. And, you know, what have you actually done? Let's have a look at what you've done in the last year, because I haven't seen you do much, to be honest. And I've not seen you be very vocal and I haven't seen you be out and about with you and just the police and delivering meals to isolated and homeless and um, knocking on doors of people and visiting ambulance stations for cans of beer. Look, we don't all have to do it, but where have you been? So if you want to have an opinion, maybe it's time that you were you led from when when you were needed. Um, so I think celebrating success for my for my team and uh, is is so important and celebrating it with our customers. You know, it's saying thank you and it's being there and being genuine with them just to say, you know, I'm not pleading for people to come out and go, please come and support hospitality. Oh, please come out. No. It's disposable income. People can spend it wherever they want. You need to come out and have a great experience, and we need to deliver on that. If you don't come out and have a great experience, you need to hold your hands up and say, I'm sorry. And some people's um, expectations are just way out there. You know, we've got a shocking, shocking review on um, Google. Uh, all I can say is, to you, I'm sorry I didn't live up to your expectations. You know, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to go into everything that we didn't do. Understand that. But we just didn't live up to your expectations on this occasion. I'm really sorry. Um, so yeah, that would be my my route to how I I lead and you know and and what I do with my team and it's um, yeah quite easy to say but more difficult to do. Great, great, Tim. There's some great advice in there, uh, especially around being honest and actually uh, also celebrate because we 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 have to be careful. We don't look at all the the, the bad things as well. Where can people find you, Tim? You and uh, Yummy Pops, and uh, there's a website. Uh, I know that Yummy Pops. Yeah. Can can find us there you can find me mostly at the wire mill which is in surrey so my 15th century mill um there tomorrow right the way through to thursday come come down have a drink of things um but i'm there most most weeks um and then uh, linkedin uh, that kind of uh, if you want to see me doing stupid videos and um talking utter nonsense then um yeah, come and connect on there um but yeah you can find find our sites in london we've got the summerstown coffee house which is between Houston and St Pancras, which is an absolute beauty, um, and definitely having you know a real hard time with with the lack of people in town and and coming through. But she will bounce back. She's been there and supported our business a lot, so we're you know we're giving it some proper grace, and it's trading way way better than than what we kind of initially thought. And then uh, the Vic over in Mile End, um, Matt's there with his team uh, doing a fresh fish day boat concept, which seems to be doing really well received by everybody in Mile End. And little old Gorringe Park in Tooting. Uh, Jamie is is running the show. Um, we didn't focus enough attention into what we were going to do with that site through lockdown. So we we're um, discussing that on Thursday and looking at all different options and how we make that site really relevant to us and to the people around it. 
um, and see if we can change the business model um, for that one. So, yeah, we're, we're a bit scattered around. Um, and then if you wanted to get a cocktail through the post um, with our new business, well, not that new anymore, but um, we're doing fresh handmade cocktails through the post, which is a really exciting um, retail-based concept for us that we started through lockdown and Joe owns a percentage of. Um, I think it's got some great legs in it. And, um, something really exciting to to take us forward and just be totally different to the bricks and mortar pub business and take some real learnings from how to do be a retailer um, and take those retail lessons into into pub hospitality great great stuff tim uh i send you and the team uh, power and energy to to keep on moving forward and uh, have more success on, on the road and i'm sure we will be connecting soon face to face in a beer garden without a doubt you we 100 have a beer together Awesome, Tim. Lots of inspiration in here. Some great ideas on how you can build competitive edge through your people. I would recommend you to sit down with pen and paper and ask yourself, how can I build competitive advantage through my people? And if you want to learn more about how to build culture that gives you business a competitive edge, tune in to episode number 35. It's all about the team with Marta Progoskreska, Managing Director of Gales. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. Together with BizSimply, we are right now conducting a survey with the aim to collect best practice on how leaders in the industry are transforming their organizations so they can deliver the experience both employees, customers are demanding. Please participate via the link in the show notes. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights and strategies and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com and also on their social at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq. You can also email them directly on advice at bizsimply.com. A big thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to the newsletter and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of that, there will be links in the show notes. Thank you and be maverick.